electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Up here with my friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job not just entertain, educate, teach. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Crank it up. I'm talking about the huge number of conferences that Wall Street throws next week, covering everything from banking to healthcare to the industrials. And I can't tell you how happy this makes me. After an ultimately mass session where the Dow finished up 76 points, S&P advanced just 0.14%, NASDAQ gets up just 0.09%, things are going to get a lot more exciting next week. Why? Because so often the filter for companies is dry and methodical. A quarter gets reported, a statement from management, followed by a Q&A, and then some research. Not next week. Next week, we get to get the real skinny from hundreds of companies who speak for a long time. And let me kick off my game plan by telling you what I think you're going to hear. This is the narrative. And I quote, business is pretty darn good. After all these rate hikes, we would have expected the business would have slowed down dramatically at this point, but it hasn't happened. While we're always wary and our customers are taking a little longer to make decisions, all in all, things are pretty darn good. End quote. Now, I especially expect to hear that sentiment from the industrial companies that speak at Morgan Stanley's annual Laguna Conference, which is one of the most important confabs of the year for the sector. By the way, I also like the Barclays annual Global Financial Services Conference, where J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is going to kick things off Monday around 1 o'clock with what I bet will be a screed against the idea that we need more banking regulation. Yes, we will be ready for you. Now, this all matters because I think we're near the end of the Fed's tightening cycle. When you get to this point, you see it like maybe five, six months where we've got left and the Fed's headed toward its 2% target for inflation. Well, then you only have a couple rate hikes left. You need to get more bullish on the stock market, historically speaking. But it's always difficult to do that because at this point in the cycle, the Fed has successfully sent the economy into a slowdown mode. So, for example, next week, there'll be some companies that may use their conferences to guide down. It happens every year. This year, I expect a few more of them because of where we are in the cycle. And what you have to do is you have to buy the stocks of companies that are doing well, that have just spoken, whose stocks get drowned out and go down because of the negativity of just a few of the companies. For my travel trust, now we put a ton of money to work at lower levels before this week. But I am sorely tempted to buy into this latest downturn, especially in tech, which has really been clobbered. And one of the companies we have on tonight, which I just can't wait for you to hear. Now, one of the reasons I'm, I'm very excited right now is I'm going out west. We're going to Dreamforce in San Francisco Monday. That's the largest tech conference in the universe, and it's thrown by Salesforce. I tend to learn more about tech in these three days from Mark Benioff, founder and CEO of Salesforce, and his team, and all the other presentations than I do during the rest of the year combined. We own Salesforce for the Chapel Trust. And I think it's an undervalued stock, especially after that monster quarter. Now, the stock did rally huge after reported. Then it gave back pretty much all the gains, and now it's trying to climb back to where it was after reported. I think it's an opportunity. 
I'm also excited to hear from Oracle Monday night, which we've been starting to buy for the trust. Both Oracle, run by Software Cats and Salesforce, have been among the most aggressive artificial intelligence adopters. I find that those who can really use it to save money and time are offering the best of AI for both their customers and the shareholders. These stocks have all had lids on them of late because of Apple's newfound China worries uh, that have thrown a lot of tech into the penalty box. I get there may be some consequences that could spill over to hurt Apple, of course, but I'm not on the bandwagon of doom that so many others have stumbled into. Hey, speaking of Apple, they roll out their new iPhone on Tuesday. Normally, the stock runs up into these events and then fizzles afterwards, but this time it's pulled back hard ahead of the release. Maybe the new phone turns things around, although the last comments... The first comments, of the, just so you know, the cancer are always from the negativists. It's the last comments are from the people who like it. So the stock tends to go down. It can even go down a percent or two just on the launch. Hey, by the way, if you want a stock that can bounce off of any of the good news on the China front that's connected with Apple, if we get any, I want you to consider Broadcom, symbol ABGO, which sold off in a very good set of numbers just last week and does a ton of business with Apple. Plus, Broadcom has a deal with VMware that would be usually positive. It's just waiting for Chinese regulatory approval. If there's a thaw in our relations, you get a big win here. We own Broadcom for the Travel Trust because I believe that the VMware deal, which I think it's going to get done. But our tensions with China might make it harder for this one to get over the finish line. I respect that. We have some minefields there next week, too. It is a bit of a gauntlet. On Wednesday, we get the consumer price index numbers, and those could easily derail the positive tone I see coming if there's an unexpected flare of inflation. I don't think it's in the cards, though, nor do I think that we'll have an overheated producer price index or retail sales numbers on Thursday. All these numbers are incredibly important because if we can get through this next week without a wild bond market reaction, I think we'll see a lot of bears converted by the time we get to right here. I'm not kidding. It's an important week. It'll be a tough road. We still have plenty of analysts calling for a hard landing, many of them out today, and a recession, although I have no idea what data they're looking at to reach that conclusion. I expect a minor slowdown. I've been saying that possibly uh, not even enough to be able to count as a soft landing. Let's go down Thursday a little bit more. We've got the deadline for a labor deal with the UAW and uh, the big three, Ford, GM, and Stellantis, which used to be Chrysler. Never forget, while Sean Fain, the CEO of UAW, he's actually the head of it, is a very incendiary guy, he knows that a long strike favors the automakers because they have much bigger war chests than the union. Ford has five months. The UAW is said to have only five weeks. On Thursday, we get the ARM IPO, and this is the semiconductor design company whose technology is in chips for virtually every kind of device, although they're best known for the handset chips. Now, I think ARM's artificial intelligence offering is the most exciting part of the story because they're partnered up with NVIDIA on their most important high-powered semis. I like this IPO very much, people. If you can get in on the actual deal, you should. doesn't hurt that ARM's management is very strong. Then on Thursday night, Well, Adobe reports, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Why? Because they're making the best use of AI. It's helping thousands of clients build websites that can change constantly and are much more responsive than anything any other company has right now. Last time, Adobe stock ran up into the quarter, rallied big after the report. You can see it right here, rallied big after the report, and then got crushed over the next series of days. 
before then rallying 100 straight points. Let's hope the pattern that you got here where you can buy it after a good quarter is repeated so you can buy the stock into weakness that will be unjustified. Lennar, a huge home builder, also reports on Thursday night. When it comes to inflation, housing has been the most attractive part of the economy. Home prices just won't come down, even with high mortgage rates. I don't know what's going on. I doubt you hear anything weak from Lennar. It's too well run and too risk averse to have a true debacle, even with mortgage rates soaring. Finally, on Friday, we'll just begin the worry phase of the market. Yes, it always happens. Why? Because the next week is the Fed meeting. And I will know the next move on the 20th. If we get some macro numbers that are too hot next week, and here I'm referring to the CPI and the PPI and retail sales, well, then a rate hike may actually be back in play. I think the Fed doesn't know these numbers. They're waiting like you and I are. But otherwise, if they're just okay numbers, I think they can skip the tightening this time. And that's what makes me feel a little more sanguine about the market. What else would make the bookcase a solid one? Bottom line, interest rates stabilizing even here and a break in this relentless oil rally. I think both could happen. And if that's the case, the declines we have seen will be reversed so rapidly that you better hope for wheat this Monday so you can do some... Bye, bye, bye! Dan in Minnesota. Dan. Hey, Jim, how are you? Danny Claus called in from beautiful northern Minnesota up on 10 Mile Lake. How are you today? I am doing well, thank you. Beautiful day here. Happy that you called in on the show. How can I help? Hey, thanks so much. I love it. Hey, my dad, Jimmy, started his first restaurant when he was 17 down in Austin, Minnesota, the home of Hormel. Yes. And I tell you, we've been a big supporter of their products for over 70 years, as well as their stock. But uh, we haven't seen a stock this low since 18. And uh, yeah, we had a nice move up in Q1 of 2022 when it passed 50, but here we are stuck down around the the high 30s. What what are you thinking about that? I am so glad you called me. I looked. I happened to be looking at stock today because a mutual friend and I both were talking about it and an acquisition it made, and I think that at three percent yield. You patiently buy some. You want to buy 100 shares, you buy 25 right here. And then you wait by yield. You buy another 25 at three and a quarter, another 25 at three and a half, three and three quarters. And that's about as low as it's going to go. I think you've got a good one there. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's a good stock and a great dividend, great dividend producer. Let's go to Piyush, Piyush in California. Piyush. Booyah, Jim. Thank Booyah. you for taking my call. My pleasure. My, my question is, uh, is Amazon is a good buy? If yes, what would be I a good the look, to buy? I like, I like this deal. I'm glad that the FTC backed away. I think the Amgen deal, they also have some really good drugs in the pipeline. But the Horizon pharmaceutical deal, Amgen, is going to be very strong. But I happen to be a big fan of orphan drugs. Not everybody else is. I think they're terrific, and the companies that make them make a lot of money. Next week might be filled with some minefields in the way of economic data. But I think the bull case for the market will only build from here. If interest rates and the price of oil behave. On Made Money Tonight, could an investment in Celsius be the right energy for your portfolio? With the stock up a whopping 100% year to date, I'll see if the move can continue when I sit down with the CEO. Then I'm exploring whether the stock up Signet, yeah, the jewelry company, could be a diamond in the rough. And RH is tumbling gigantically after earnings. Should we be buying the stock up or maybe we need to remodel? I'm sitting down with the CEO, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call 
at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. There's a lot of wisdom in the old investing mantra, buy what you know. If you saw the fridge in our office, you'd understand why I'm so excited about Celsius Holdings, the energy drink maker. See, here's the stock that's rallied from $22 and change. That's right, 22 bucks. When we first then had them on the show less than three years ago, and boy, did we ever like them. So it is now north of $200. That including a 94% run year to date. And it's rallied for good reason. When Celsius reported last month, they once again delivered record sales and almost doubled Wall Street's earnings estimates, which is why the stock jumped more than 20% in a single session in response. So can this thing keep roaring, or should we be a little concerned given the immense scale of this move? Let's check in with John Fieldley. He is the chairman, president, and CEO of Celsius Holdings. He had a better read on the situation. Mr. Fieldley, welcome back to Mad Money. Glad to be here, Jim. Well, look, we first had you on when your stock was at 22, and you told us a great story. I I have to believe it's only gotten better because uh, last time, the previous quarter, was the first time you exceeded 200 million in sales. And just one quarter later, you exceeded that achievement with over 300 million in sales. How are you putting up these numbers? It's amazing, Jim. We're coming up uh, here on our one-year anniversary with our Pepsi partnership uh, in October. And, um, you know, the company's doing well. It's doing extremely well. The product's great. I'm drinking a cosmic vibe right now, refreshing, uh, sparkling fruit punch. Just hit the market. It's in Circle K. We're going intergalactic now. So, uh, you know, it's phenomenal. The company's doing well. Team's working hard. And we're, we're building a, the most refreshing energy drink brand uh, known to mankind. Well, let's talk about the demo and talk about what the story is. I think there's a group of people out there, very different people my age. They don't want to get hammered. They don't even want to get buzz. They want to get healthy. And they're avoiding hard liquor. Really, the numbers look very bad. And they're drinking Celsius. Now, how are they making it? Is this just a, a generational pull? 
think what you're seeing with Celsius, which is phenomenal, you know, it's our, we have refreshing flavors. We got lemon, lime. Uh, also, we have over seven essential vitamins. We green tea and ginger and biotin. We're a thermogenic. We actually burn calories and body fat and help you achieve your health and wellness goals. And we're born in fitness. So, you know, we're really aligned. If you look at our flavors, we're inviting. We're bringing in new consumers to the category. And we have some great mocktails coming up, uh, especially for Thanksgiving holiday. So look, check out some of our new mocktails on Instagram, uh, TikTok, and uh, Snapchat. No, I happen to know because my wife's in the liquor business. Mocktails are the hottest thing. And, uh, and also beer with no alcohol. These are the two drinks that have taken off. And you've really tapped into that. Now, there's a company called Monster. It used to be called Handsome. All right. Now, this company had a 15 year return of two thousand seven hundred and twenty nine percent throughout that period. People just didn't believe it could be happening. OK, they just never, ever thought it could happen. I hesitate to say that you could be the next because that is one in a million. But there are characteristics of your company, where you're found, the Pepsi relationship, the club relationship, the demographics. I mean, it could come together for you in a pretty spectacular way. Yeah, Jim, I think, you know, we just announced uh, actually last week, uh, we were at a Barclays Investor Conference, and we just announced a partnership with Jersey Mike in over 2,000 locations and subway locations. And it's just, you know, what's interesting about the Celsius portfolio, we're actually more than energy. We see, you know, consumers drinking Celsius with sandwiches and, you know, at lunch, and it's really expanding the usage occasion with energy. So uh, it's quite fascinating. I think we got a total beverage play potentially here um, as we see the energy category getting more broader, uh, especially with some of our great flavors that we have. All right, now, this is a little anecdotal, but we are gigantic drinkers of Celsius at the office. And what we do is we always just say, hey, we want to order, and we like to order from Shipt, we like Target. Now, a lot of times, candidly, they're out of Celsius. I mean, could you sell more Celsius? Is it really just like in short supply at a lot of retailers? Well, we're, we're, we're producing a lot. You can see the numbers we put up in the second quarter of this year, $326 million. So uh, we're working hard. We're producing. we got a lot of great flavors. Um, there's a high demand. We're number one on Instacart. Uh, you know, we're seeing a great success in a variety of retailers and chains that are out there. Uh, hopefully you can find a Celsius near you closely. OK, now uh, I want to talk about this Pepsi relationship. They got in. Uh, seven, you know, in the 70s, but the stock spiked right for that August 1, 20, 2022. When I speak to PepsiCo, they just love you, okay? And they're very proud that they identified you. But when we first met, there were people who were shorting your stock, somehow thinking that you were making claims that you couldn't back up. All that stuff that the shorts told me, don't put this guy on, I guess it just went away. Oh, well, what happened there? Yeah, I mean, the short thesis, that's, uh, you know, you know better than me on that. But you know what's what's real is Celsius and the partnership with Pepsi um, has gone phenomenal. They're great partners, great executors. We have a great partnership. They brought us from and over, you know, we were about in the reported stores, about 60 percent ECB, which shows says you're in about 60 percent of reported stores, according to IRI and Nielsen. We're now at 95%, so you should be able to find us in any store near you. And we have over about 15 on average facings at retail right now and adding more. So uh, also before the partnership, we were at 3.4 share in the category. And today we're getting closer to that 10 share, which Jim, it hasn't been done in over a decade. So really astonishing achievement. It shows great, great hard work great partnership, and most importantly, a great brand and a great portfolio with some great flavors. All right, now how do I enroll in uh, Celsius University? 
Uh, <laughs> we just graduated 170 college students. Uh, it was phenomenal, three-day event. I got the whole leadership team presenting to the college students, teaching them about business, operations, finance, management, consumer marketing. And they're going out to over 76 college universities around the country to be our CEO on campus. We're gonna graduate another class in the fall. It's a super exciting, great event. We would love to have you as a guest speaker at our next uh, ceremony. That would be amazing. Frankly, I've got to tell you, I'm intrigued. I really am, John, because I'm fascinated by successful business people who have done great things. And we should celebrate more business in our country. And that's why I think that what you're doing at the college level is very exciting. It's obviously original. No one else I know has ever done it. And I think you're creating ambassadors at every school at a time when the hard liquor business could use ambassadors, but no one seems to want to go with them. I agree. The college university program is phenomenal. I mean, uh, we do a full ceremony. It's fun. We have, what's interesting, we fly the kids, uh, fly, flew them down. They stay in a hotel in Fort Lauderdale Beach for three days, and every single one of their parents said they were getting scammed on some timeshare uh, opportunity <laughs> or something else was going on. Fascinating, fascinating. We're real. The brand's real. Our numbers are real. And consumers love Celsius. Most refreshing drink on the market. Well, I, I've got to tell you, we drink, we're, we're great testimonials ourselves in our office. And I'm glad, frankly, I'm glad that, that kids are getting away from hard liquor. It was never good to always just thought it was the wrong thing. And they're going with Celsius. And I like that. That's John Field. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Celsius Holdings. We've been with them since 22. I got to tell you, I think it goes higher. Thank you, John. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up. Have a soft spot for something shiny? Kramer polishes the report just put out by Signet. Next. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We 
heard so many bad things from so many retailers in August that it was all too easy to give up on the entire group, and I thought about it. But in the last couple of weeks, we've actually seen some very strong earnings reports and a couple of very unusual chains. Last night, I talked about the tremendous turnaround at Lululemon after a lost year in 2022. That's a good story. Tonight, I want to highlight Signet Jewelers. Yeah, parent of K Jewelers, Zales, and Jared, along with some smaller brands. Because last Thursday, Signet told a much improved story that was, I think, entirely overlooked by everybody. A few years ago, Signet was one of the greatest turnaround stories out there. The company was in big trouble when CEO Jenner Drosas took over in 2017. It had become more of kind of what I call a subprime lender than a retailer with some nightmare headlines about people working there. Holy cow, Drosas got rid of the portfolio that was for just lending, outsourced Signet's financing options to third parties, stabilized the core business, and cleaned up the balance sheet. It is no longer a subprime lender. Then she built up a tremendous digital operation, including last year's acquisition of Blue Nile, the online jewelry uh, store that had tried and failed to go public via a SPAC merger. It took a few years for the turnaround to pay off, but after the COVID crash in 2020, Signet stocks soared from the mid-single digits all the way to the low triple digits at its high in late 2021. Of course, then the Fed declared war on inflation and our economy truly entered the post-COVID era, which more or less cut the stock in half before it finally bottomed in May of last year. Since then, Signet's had a nice rebound from around 50 to just under 75, although it's still a long way from its previous highs. So what changed here? Well, last year, Signet got clubbed by the same issues that hurt most other retailers. With the end of the pandemic era st- stimulus payments, people had to, to, to add less money to spend on the big ticket items. Plus, consumers pivoted from buying stuff to paying for experiences. Now they can go out again. Very few people saw this coming. I suspect a lot of jewelry got bought in 2020 and 2021 because it's not like you can take a romantic vacation or even comfortably go out on a dinner date. But there's another COVID overhang that hit them pretty hard last year that I don't think people really saw coming at all. That's a decline in people getting engaged. On average, couples will date for two or three years before getting engaged. Okay, so it took me 10 years. I was a slow mover, right? Problem is, it was hard to meet people in 2020 and much of 2021. So two two or three years later, there weren't as many couples looking to get married, which translated into fewer engagement ring sales for Signet. During this softer period, the company's been focusing on controlling what it can control, cutting costs, cleaning up the balance sheet, even more, making some smart digital acquisitions. By the time we spoke to Drozos this spring, she said the work they've been doing behind the scenes was finally about to pay off because the jewelry market would soon recover, including a big expected increase in engagement ring sales over the next few years. They're talking about a 20 to 25% lift, an uptick over the next three years. I like that. Yeah. Now, there was still uh, one more bad quarter left in Signet. Uh, the company disappointed when it reported in June. The overall numbers were mixed with ugly same-store sales, but solid earnings. The real problem was the light guidance for the next quarter and substantial cut to the full-year forecast. When the cops called, the CFO talked about macroeconomic pressures on the consumer, deeper competitive discounting in the jewelry industry. The, these are things you don't want to hear. But everything changed when Signet reported again last Thursday. This time, the same-store sales, while down 12%, were still slightly ahead of expectations. Uh, same for total sales. On the earnings front, they made $1.55 per share when Wall Street was only looking for $1.45, thanks to better-than-expected margins. We like a good margin story. More importantly, this time, Signet's guidance didn't torpedo the narrative. Their outlook for the quarter, uh, current quarter was a little light on the operating income front, but much better than what they did three months ago. Best of all, if you're cutting every line of their full-year forecast in June, this time, Signet slightly raised their full-year earnings forecast while leaving everything else untouched. Looks like they got all the negativity out of the way earlier this summer. So why is business bouncing back? 
On Thursday, Cigna's uh, CEO, Janet Drosos, reached out to me to explain what's going on here. First, Drosos said that a Cigna could beat expectations for the quarter thanks to its flexible operating mode, something they've gotten after years, uh, years of structural cost cuts. Second, the company's starting to see green shoots on the sales front. Drosos said that specifically that Cigna saw, quote, a robust improvement through the quarter, and quote, quote, I like that, that's like good cadence going going on in there, for fashion merchandise under $1,000. This was driven primarily by female self-purchasing. Interesting. She also noted that gifting helped with higher price point fashion sales. How about the great engagement comeback? Drosos says it's still very much on track. She says engagement should bottom at 2.1 to 2.2 million this year, about 25% lower than typical year before the pandemic. Using Signet's huge database model to predict engagement trends, artificial intelligence. She expects the pool of couples likely to get engaged improved by 700 basis points this quarter. Signet's not only standing by its prediction that engagements will start to rebound in the fourth quarter of the year, they're even more confident in that outlook than they were before. Beyond that, the balance sheet continues to improve Signet's liquidity position as more than doubled from pre-pandemic levels, and inventories fell 4%, you know how much we like that, or 8% when you exclude the company's recent acquisitions. They definitely don't have too much merchandise, which means there won't be too much discount. Now that, we, that we've seen Signet can deliver, I want to circle back to the company's investor day in April, where they introduced some ambitious medium-term financial targets. Over the next three to five years, Cigna said they expect to reach nine to ten billion dollars in revenue. That's up from seven point three billion at the high end of this uh, seven point three million at the high end of this year's forecast, which is a big game for these guys. With earnings of fourteen dollars to sixteen dollars per share, that's up ten dollars. That's up from ten dollars to fourteen ten dollars and fourteen cents at the high end of this year's forecast. Now it's easier to feel confident in these numbers because Cigna's no longer disappointing us in the short term. And can I just tell you these boosts? were shocking to me. And that's why the stock jumped 10% last Thursday and Friday in response. While it's given back more than half of that move during this week's ugly action, I think that's a gift. As I see it, Signet remains super cheap, trading at 7.6 times the midpoint of their full-year earnings forecast. Stocks uh, only get that kind of multiple when Wall Street doesn't believe the estimates. But I think the worst is behind Signet. As long as they can hit their number, the stock should have a lot more upside. Here's the bottom line. Cigna's going through a rough patch, no doubt about it, for the past year and a half, thanks to forces beyond the control. Now, though, the low in engagements caused by our collective post-COVID hangover is finally set to start ending. And the company's in much better shape thanks to all of the recent self-improvement efforts. I think that's a great setup, which is why I'd be a buyer before the churn truly begins in earnest. Because once the comeback's obvious to everyone, you'll likely have missed the best part of this move. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Ann in Indiana. Ann. Jim, calling from the heartland. I'm a happy, happy club member. Thank oh, you for thank taking you. my call. Thank you. So how did you know after the first messy quarter from Foot Locker, after we had a position, how did you know not to add your position Okay. Um, Instead of seeing it as a buying opportunity. Thank you. And first, I should not have bought it at the beginning. I know that uh, Mary Dillon came on and told a pretty good story. A lot of things have gone wrong since then, not beyond Dillon's control. But I knew because it was the trader in me. When a stock just – actually, the stock I don't think is good right now either. When a stock just goes to a level and then can't go up no matter what kind of good news or what kind of tape there is or the whole market moves up, that means there's sellers who are just sitting there. And when you see sellers just sitting on a stock, 
that stock's going lower. This is something I've learned. I've been a trader. I mean, look, I'm an investor now, but I traded for a very long time. And that's, that, that chart, that stock action just meant to me this stock's going lower. Thank you for the kind comments still. Thank you. Let's go to Rico in Massachusetts. Rico. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Thank Booyah. you for taking my call. I am a uh, longtime listener, first-time caller, so thank you. I am interested in hearing your analysis on a stock that I think uh, has great seasonality, um, and that stock is uh, DLTR. Okay, okay. I'll tell you what the problem is with DLTR. They they reported very recently, and I read the conference call, and they were incredibly negative about themselves. I mean, they literally just said, listen, we did a bad job. I am never going to tell a manager that says they did a bad job. No, you did a good job. It was just plain bad. All right, Signet has been through some hard times over the past 18 months. But the company is in much better shape now. And I think the setup is great to get in now before the turnaround really gets going. Much more mad money. I had all eyes on RH after earnings. The stock's in red today. But could it be time to buy? It's down so much. I'm sitting with, down with the CEO. Then why curiosity could be the key when it comes to your next investment? And all your calls wrapped fire tonight's edition of the lightning round so stay with Kramer what do we make of RH the luxury home goods retail artist formerly known as Restoration Hub Last night, the cover reported what I thought was some spectacularly positive headline numbers. But a lot of that came from timing quirks, so they only slightly raised their full-year revenue forecast, but the quarter was great. More important, RH's straight-talking CEO, Gary Friedman, gave us a very cautious, some would say very caustic outlook on both the broader economy and luxury housing in particular. Now, his words carry a lot of weight because he correctly called the coming retail downturn early last year, right after the Fed started tightening. And that's why I think the stock plummeted nearly 16% today. But I've got to tell you, I think that decline is just a plain old mistake. RH has all sorts of growth initiatives coming, especially its expansion overseas. And just last quarter alone, they repurchased a staggering 17% of their share count. You don't buy back that much stock unless you're very confident in your long-term prospects. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with Gary Friedman. He's the chairman and CEO of RH to figure out what the heck is going on here. Mr. Friedman, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me, Jim. So, Gary, i got to tell you, something really jumped out of me this quarter, and it's right at the top of your release. Uh, the company repurchased 3.7 million shares in the second quarter, average price of $325, representing approximately 17% of the total shares outstanding at the beginning of the quarter. Now, Gary, I've been in the business for 42 years. I've never seen that much bought at one time. So, obviously, you're taking a very longer-term view, betting that things are going to get really good for RH. Is it an inflection point? It, it, well, we believe in inflection points coming, but I, I, I think the other headline, Jim, if you add that to the uh, 3.7 million shares we we purchased last year. It's it's almost 30 percent of the outstanding shares, and uh, uh, you know we believe it it demonstrates our confidence in uh, what's about to happen here. Now it does seem. I mean, just so we know, the stock has some sort of bizarre decline today. Uh, I try to read all these different things that you put out in a vacuum. I don't look at where a stock is. I honestly thought, Gary, that your stock would be up today because that is how, if you take a longer-term view, the only way you can view this RH quarter. Yeah. Well, look, there's there's kind of three headlines. One, we uh, we reiterated our guidance for the year. We actually took it up a little because we uh, uh, brought up the, the low end of our guidance. So, uh, you know, our performance was exactly or slightly better than we communicated. 
And we, we just launched the most prolific collection of new products in our history with the introduction of our new interior source book, uh, you know, our interior source book, followed by what we communicated, our new contemporary source book in October and our new modern source book in January. Uh, you know, we believe all of which will create an inflection point in our business in the second half of this year, uh, despite the difficult housing market. And then that'll hit, uh, we believe, a peak inflection point in the first half of next year as we as we launch the second phase of our product transformation with another another round of sourcebook mailing. So well, there'll be about eighty percent new product at our age. Uh, well, people it's, want it's the it. Biggest, yeah, it, it's the biggest most. Uh, impactful thing we've done in my entire career here. So uh, hence, hence the share buyback. Well, to me, uh, what I think is going on is that there are people who are very worried about the economy. I'm not one of those. As a matter of fact, I think things could stabilize next year, and I believe that therefore RH would be a coiled spring. I'm not kidding. I spent a lot of this today with Jeff Marks, who worked much my portfolio with me, Travel Trust, and we just watched the stock go down. We said, we wish we could just buy it. We've got to sort it through for the trust. Because, Gary, I mean, honestly, you have been with me for a very long time, and I've never seen you this more optimistic about the longer term which is what we care about. I do not care about the margin problems from the source book for the next three days. Yeah, well, you know, Wall Street tends to have a, a, a short-term view, and we, we always lead the business with a long-term view. And, uh, you know, look, this is my uh, going on my 23rd year here, and I've never been more excited. So uh, I think when, uh, uh, you know, when, the, when, when everybody sees, sees what's going to happen with this business over the next a uh, couple of quarters, um, you know, I think they'll feel the same way as we do. But, but uh, look, you can't do anything about short term. And, and by the way, I concur with, with uh, your feelings about where the economy's going. I think we've, we've hit a kind of a bottom in the housing market. Uh, right. I don't think interest rates are going to go much higher. And if anything, I think hopefully the Fed will start easing because it looks like they've got uh, inflation finally under control. Oh, I, I so, agree with uh, you. I agree with you. Now, uh, I always think that you run out of locations, and then you say, listen, we have identified 40 more locations, and I come across, I'm just seeing where you are. I was you know, going out west next week. I thought you might be out west. No, you're in Miami Beach coming up with another iconic thing. Now, look, if the stock was up 50, I wouldn't be talking like this, Gary. I'm just trying to get people to understand. You're in Miami Beach doing still one more thing that no one else is doing. Why don't you describe it to us? Yeah, well, well, look, one of the most important pieces of public uh, property in Miami, uh, One Ocean Drive, is uh, uh, they're doing a public RFP for. Uh, we believe Miami is uh, one of the most key global cities in America. Look, there's New York, there's Los Angeles, and there's Miami Beach. And those are the, the three iconic places in, in, in North America. It's the bridge to South America, and it's a global city. And uh, you know, there's a chance to do something spectacular here. We, we're proposing uh, uh, to, one, restore the site, which was originally a public park, uh, to its original uh, historic origin uh, by replacing a 77,000-square-foot asphalt parking lot with a 90,000-square-foot public park. Uh, you know, we're creating a 17,000-square-foot public sculpture garden with views of the Atlantic Ocean, expanding the green space from 8% to 82%. And incorporating an RH Beach House, which is would be a you know version of our, uh, our guest house that we introduced in New York, uh, a beach club, bathhouse, and spa, uh, a design studio with an architecture and design library, uh, three restaurants on site, uh, and we think it's a it's a magnificent 
invest uh, a magnificent opportunity, I think, for the community of Miami, and it's the most significant capital contribution we've, we'd ever made. Uh, we think we'll spend about 150 to 170 million with about 50 million of public benefits. So uh, we think it's a great thing for the city of Miami Beach. It's a great thing for the RH brand. And it's in one of the most important cities in the world. Now, but so, you're also, you know, you've got Munich, you've got Dusseldorf. Uh, we haven't even talked about what you're doing in the U.K. So you're pretty much expanding all, uh, all over the globe. But you're not, uh, at this point, near any sort of saturation, are you, for where, uh, let's just say, people who have done well in their lives who went great-looking places, there's still a lot more places to go for RH. Oh, we're still only halfway through our North American transformation of taking all our existing legacy galleries and transforming them into design galleries. Plus, we think on top of that, we've got another, you know, 40 or 50 design studio opportunities uh, in, uh, you know, smaller cities or, uh, uh, you know, second home markets. And then we're just starting our global launch. Look, we, we just launched R.H. England this summer in June in a 17th century, 73-acre state in the English countryside, which we think is a magnificent uh, way to in- introduce the brand. We'll be opening R.H. Paris next year. Uh, we've got um, you know Madrid coming. We've got Milan coming. In fact, uh, in a couple of days, I'm uh, flying over to Milan to meet with the city council. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, so we're, we're just just beginning a global expansion of the brand. So um, it, is, it is the very early innings, as they would say, I think, to the RH story. Uh, uh, and we, we couldn't be more excited. Well, that's what I wanted to hear, because, again, the average price that you bought these, uh, the 3.7 million shares is $325. It's very rare that I've ever seen this opportunity to be able to buy below where you have bought. Gary, you, you just to me, again, you're, you're just delivering after delivering. And I, lo- I urge people who are interested in the story to actually read what you have to say, because it's very different from what the reportages about what you're saying. Yes, I am a little steamed about it because I know what an artist you are and what and what how much money you've made for people. Gary Freeman is the chairman, founder and CEO of RH. Thank you so much, Gary. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having us. Take man, my, man, my back in for the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Come to the fast fire. Close on the ceiling. So come back to and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Time for the lightning round. Cameras, let's start with Blaine in Washington. Getting Blaine. Hey, Jim. Blaine, hey, what's first happening? Of all, a big thank you from Seahawks country here in Washington for all your help, sir. I got the guy Charbonnet, but they told me Walker's playing. I, I'm benching Charbonnet, and going with the uh, the other guy. What's going on? <laughs> well, I saw you speak briefly on this stock uh, yesterday, and it's a utility stock. Uh, uh, paying a 4.3% dividend, and it's currently near its 52-week low. Uh, I, I read where a whale, an unknown whale, sold a large amount of shares on Tuesday, and I began to think, well, I'm down about 12%. So my question is, uh, should I hold this utility through the winter months or possibly dump some of it now? It's What's the stock, the stock? Is American Electric Power. Oh no, you buy it. Remember, this one will not be. This one just be a smooth ride. A 4.2 percent yield, I think, is good. A lot of people sold this stock because the short-term rates 
have gone so high because the Fed has raised rates so rapidly. That's why it's going down. Nothing to do with the company, which is incredibly well run. I would be a buyer of Merrick Electric Power. I want to go to Wiley in Utah. Wiley. Booyah. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. Booyah from Utah. Yes. What's happening in Utah? Oh, boy. It's uh, beautiful weather here. It's golf weather. Uh, Question on Verizon. Uh, I bought Verizon at $51 a share. It's done nothing but gone down since. Yeah, well, we don't care. We don't care where stocks come from. We care where it's going to. Now, Verizon, I think, is dead money. Got an 8% yield, boosted the dividend. It's at 8%. I'm willing to even, even with this management team, I'm willing to own it. I can't believe I said that. I didn't mean to be mean because my mom always said that if you don't have something nice to say, then just don't say it. But I just did. Let's go to Gary in Kentucky. Gary, he's going to be lucky, hey, this guy. Gary. Professor Kramer. <laughs> yeah, right How's back it? at you. How's the chill today? Listen, greetings from beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. My stock is Churchill Downs, C-H-D-N. Okay, this has always been a very strange stock. When we first heard about it, it was just nothing but pizzazz. But we got gambling all over the place. I'm going to say you want to buy DraftKings. I think Jason Robbins is just crushing it right here. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. Coming up, a defense of the stock picker. Start with an index fund, do your homework, and stick with Kramer. always ask me, Kramer, why are you so possessed with individual stocks? I immediately point out that I actually like index funds just fine. They aren't that interesting, but they're a great bedrock investment for anyone and everyone. Then I'm usually pressed to give someone a stock anyway. This used to happen a lot more than it does now. I got stopped near Max Hoot's coffee cart this morning by a nice man who wanted to ask me not about socks, but about my tomatoes that I keep posting on Twitter. He wondered how he could get his to grow like mine. I thanked him and said, look, takes a lot of luck. However, it's not all luck when you talk about individual stocks. I think two things are needed here. You need to have curiosity and you need to have the power of observation. That's what makes owning individual stocks so much fun and lucrative. Let's take our guest tonight, Celsius Holdings. Now, in the summer of 2022, my youngest daughter told me that all of her friends were drinking Celsius. We had them on the show before. I hadn't really paid as much attention to the fact that the stock seemed pretty low. It's an interesting story, but there have been some negative press about some of their ingredients. There was a big short position. But when I asked around to the younger people who work on this show, a surprising number of people were drinking Celsius. It's certainly instead of Monster or Red Bull or coffee. Celsius has become the previous, it's become the drink of choice versus those others. Incredible. Now, the first time we had them on October of 2020, Celsius was trading at 22 and change. Second time, March of 2021, it was at 48 and change. Third time, August of 2022, it was at $104 stock. Most recently, we spoke to them five months ago. The stock was at 133. Now it's at 201. If you listened to our interviews and you paid attention to what younger people were drinking, or even just looked around a convenience store when you were pumping gas, you could have seen it coming because Celsius was nowhere and then it was everywhere. So let's say you bought some based on your curiosity and power of observation. Someone else made that same observation, the good people who run PepsiCo. 
Yeah, they know more than us, don't they? Last August, the soft drink and chip company bought a big $550 million stake in Celsius, picking up 8.5% of the company at $75 per share. When that deal was announced, the stock was already well above the $75 level at around $98. So if you bought Celsius after hearing about the story in 2021 about PepsiCo, or if you watched early last summer, whatever, you're still rewarded pretty handsomely. In fact, if you just said, you know what? If PepsiCo got behind this thing, it could end up everywhere very quickly. And that's exactly what happened, and you would have just caught a double. Could you have lost money? Oh, of course. But more important, you had a chance to put your eyes and ears to work and make much more money than you would have made in an index fund. Or let's say you like Chipotle's highly acclaimed carne asada dish back in 2019. If you watched this show, you would have heard me rant endlessly about how much I like the stock. We had management on repeatedly talking about how well things were going. At the time, Chipotle introduced that unbelievably great-tasting dish. The stock was trading at around $800. You could have bought just a couple of shares, two, three shares. If you had, well, guess what? You'd now own two, three shares of a $1,945 stock. Difficult? I don't know. I don't think so. It can work both ways, too. If you've been to a CVS or Walgreens lately, you could have shorted their stocks at any price because we had all learned it's much more convenient to order from Amazon rather than having to ask the sales clerk to unseal the plastic door every time you want to buy something. No-brainer betting against those guys. Observation and curiosity are the cornerstones of great individual stock picking. Please do not be buffaloed. When everyone has migrated to Instagram, when everyone loves their iPhone, when everyone says Google, uh, you got to Google it, we know you can't just go buy the stocks. That's not the end of the process. It's the beginning. We know there's more homework to do before we buy any stock of a company that makes a product we like. I just wish the critics of individual stock buyers understood what I know. The vast majority of those of you who are watching this show have the ability to do this, to understand this, to process the craft. And more important, you've got the eyes and ears and a brain, and that's where great stock picking just begins, right that way. It's a joy. Don't let the curmudgeons take it away from you. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere in Palm Zero, just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you next time. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Kramer on this podcast are solely Kramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Kramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Kramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Kramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.